What is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Really cool thing coming over on Patreon. It is a double feature. If any of you guys listen to our other podcast, The Dark Parts, which is about urban legends and just spooky stories and hauntings, this is very similar to that. So we did a double feature just to say thank you to all of our patrons. It's an extra episode for all tiers. And it's going to be so fun. We're releasing it this week. So Heath and I both told a story. I tell the story of a very creepy phone stalker attacking a family in Washington. And I talk about one of the creepiest and scariest and most haunted dolls in the world. And no, it's not Annabelle. We also just released our $10 tier Patreon episode on the tragic murder of Chelsea Brooke. That happened on Halloween. If you guys are interested in listening to that one, head over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast and subscribe. Yes, so we have over 50 bonus episodes ready to binge. If you subscribe this week, you'll get those and you're going to get the fun Halloween double feature. So don't miss it. Yeah, if you guys enjoyed the dark parts, you guys are definitely going to enjoy that uh, Patreon double feature. So go check it out. All right, guys, this is episode 144 of Going West. So let's get into it. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In 1998, an 18-year-old working her normal night shift at a Montana movie rental store was murdered by an unknown assailant who escaped into the darkness. After years without answers, this killer went on to commit more crimes across various regions and states before finally being brought to justice. This is the story of Miranda Fenner. Miranda Colleen Fenner was born on December 26, 1979 in Sacramento, California to parents Sherry and Mike Fenner. And she also had a younger brother named Tim. The Fenners would spend the next 10 years in California before deciding to make the move to Laurel, Montana, which they did to move closer to family and just get away from the big city life, you know, away from the crime in Northern California in exchange for a nice, quiet town, according to Miranda's father, Mike. 
because in 1990, Laurel had a population of just around 5,600 people, so much smaller than Sacramento, which in 1990 had a population of over 1 million people. Laurel, Montana is located in Yellowstone County and is only about a 20-minute drive southwest from the much larger city of Billings. And by the way, both of them lie along the Yellowstone River. At the time of their move, Miranda was in fourth grade, but she quickly made friends that would last years and years. And a few years later, Miranda began attending Laurel High School. And according to her mom, Sherry, Miranda was one to take in, quote, renegade students, like under her wing and make them her friends. She just had a really big heart and wanted to make other people feel understood and wanted. Miranda, who was tall with dark shoulder-length hair, dark eyes, and dimples, loved animals, and enjoyed spending time with her friends and family as much as possible. She had a dream of working with children someday because, as Daphne said, she just really cared for others. And she was definitely one to stand up for herself and what was right, which earned her the descriptor feisty by one of her teachers. In May of 1998, 18-year-old Miranda graduated from high school and was ready to enjoy her summer and take the next steps for her future. But shortly after graduation, she was involved in a horrible car accident that actually caused her to break her neck. And because of this, she was stuck with a neck brace and really wasn't able to leave the house for the entire summer. But as autumn approached, Miranda healed up and she was excited to get back out there, especially when she found a job at the local video rental store. Miranda got the job as a clerk at a video rental store called The Movie Store at 419 Main Street downtown, where she would spend her days ringing up people's film selections in the form of mostly VHS tapes at this time, but as of more recently to this time, DVDs too. I really wish that I would have been able to work at a video store Me too. in high school. You know, it's just one of those one of those like novelty first teenage jobs. I know, I totally agree. So Miranda's grandparents lived in Laurel as well, and they actually owned the Lohoff Motel, which was just across the street from the movie store. So Miranda's parents felt super comfortable with her working there, just knowing that her grandparents were right there, especially because the shop was just three blocks from Miranda's house. So very, very local. And on occasion, when her father Mike would have to run an errand or when he would come home from work and Miranda was working, he would slowly drive by to see her working inside, usually with a smile on her face as she helped local customers. So Miranda got used to working at this shop, and by all accounts, she really enjoyed it. It was easygoing, and she would often close alone. But again, since she lived so close by, it really didn't bother her. But in November, everything would change. On Sunday, November 15th, 1998, it was a partly cloudy 50 degree Fahrenheit night when Miranda's shift was starting to come to an end as the night slowed. But she still had a few hours before it would be 10 p.m. and she could call her dad to come pick her up. One of Miranda's tasks that evening included taking down posters for a Disney film. And this just kind of made her think of her little cousins who lived nearby. So she called her uncle to see if he would be interested in taking them so that she didn't have to throw them away. Then she called her mom from the store to chat around 7 p.m., which she often did when it was slow. Sherry, her mother, was working her job at JCPenney that night, where one of Miranda's friends also worked, but in the cosmetics department. 
She talked with her mom for a bit and just had a normal conversation before checking to see if her friend was around to talk as well. Miranda seemed happy and normal. She had recently told her mom about applying for colleges and she had applications ready in her room. She wasn't sure exactly what she wanted to do, but she was excited about the possibilities. Although she felt strongly about wanting to work with kids, she had developed a great passion for art, and she realized that she had quite a talent for drawing pictures for people that she loved. About an hour after speaking to her mom, something unthinkable happened to Miranda. At 8.20 p.m., two people who were returning from a weekend fishing trip saw something horrifying as they drove through downtown Laurel. 18-year-old Miranda Fenner, who was just about a month away from her 19th birthday, was lying in front of the movie store covered in blood. They rushed to help her and immediately called 911, who came to the scene within minutes. Miranda was still alive when they got there, but they knew she had to be taken to a hospital as soon as possible because her pulse was weak and she was unresponsive. And by the way, when I say she was found in front of the store, like I mean outside the front door in the parking lot. So instead of making the 25 minute drive to St. Vincent's Hospital in Billings, they opted for her to be taken by a life flight helicopter, just hoping that this would save her life. As all this was happening, Miranda's brother Tim just happened to ride over on his bike with plans to rent a video game from his sister. But when he saw all the commotion, he raced home and called their dad, Mike, to explain what he saw. And Mike came over right away. When Mike arrived, police officers informed him that his daughter was in critical condition and that she was being flown to the hospital. But no one knew exactly what had happened to her. And actually someone had said that she was shot in the neck but there was, you know, nobody, nobody was around. Like there, there was no sign of what could have been done to her or what she went through. There was, there was no signs of that at all. Like they had no idea what happened. So as soon as her mother, Sherry was informed, she left work and headed straight for the hospital with Mike. And crazy enough, they actually beat the helicopter there. That's amazing. So they were like literally booking it to the hospital. Oh my God. Absolutely. And Which is crazy because the reason that they put her in a helicopter was to get her there faster. Exactly, yeah. They're like, this is going to make it a lot quicker. Yeah, so they must have really, really sped. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. But at about 10 p.m., while Miranda was in surgery for her wounds, she sadly passed away from those injuries, and her parents were quickly informed that Miranda had been murdered. As detectives investigated the scene, they determined that between around 7.30 and 8 p.m. that evening, someone had come into the movie store and stabbed Miranda numerous times in the head and neck, and her throat had been slashed. There was no sign of sexual assault, and it seemed whoever did this, their motive may have been robbery, because the very small amount of cash that was in the register was gone. This crime scene inside the store was absolutely brutal, and the injuries she sustained were as well. But she managed to fight hard enough and push through to get herself outside and flag down help. But sadly, she still lost her life. That same night, a sheriff's deputy had actually been patrolling the area looking for suspects in a recent string of burglaries. Just minutes before Miranda was found outside, the deputy noticed a dark sedan idling behind the video store. But since it didn't match the description of the car that he was specifically looking for, he didn't really think much of it, and he just carried on. I gotta say, I think it's very eerie that the main injuries that Miranda sustained were to her neck. Because, you know, as we know, months before this, she had broken her neck in a car accident. So it's just a bit bizarre to me to read that she was stabbed in the neck and her, and her throat was slashed, you know what I mean? I just, when I read that, I was kind of like, whoa, that's freaky. Yeah, it just kind of makes the hair on your, on the back of your neck stand up. And it's it's just really sad to think that she had survived a horrible accident just months earlier just to die this way. Like, that's just so awful. I know, extremely tragic. So investigators determined that at some point in the attack, Miranda was in the back of the store with her feet bound. And that's where she was stabbed repeatedly by her killer. And after the killer had likely dashed out of the store with that small amount of cash, Miranda crawled the entire length of the video store, which was around 60 feet, leaving a blood trail just as long, just doing her best to survive her injuries. There was more than 200 pieces of physical evidence in this case that was shipped to the Montana State Crime Lab, including over 100 fingerprints that were taken from the crime scene and entered into the National Data Bank. Investigators also recovered thousands of pieces of hair, which most likely belonged to various customers and employees over time, but they hoped 
just one could link them to Miranda's killer. And there was no murder weapon left behind, by the way, but they knew a knife of some sort was used. Within a week of Miranda's death, numerous candles, flowers, poems, signs, and photos of Miranda were placed outside of the video store after the community came together for a vigil. One sign said, Stop the Violence, and included other writings from friends saying things like, We'll miss you, honey. I love you always. You'll never be forgotten, and more. A sign was taped to the video store's door that said, Please, God, take care of our sweet angel and take care of our town. Also, a reward of $18,500 was being offered to anyone who could lead investigators to Miranda's killer. And this money came from various people who mailed in money to the Miranda Fenner reward account, and then $5,000 actually came from the owners of the video store. And crazy enough, Miranda's mother Sherry actually remembered having conversations with her daughter about what she would do if the store was ever robbed. And Miranda's answer was, just give them the money. No sense in dying over a few bucks. So it only made Sherry wonder how this could have happened, and why the assailant had to kill Miranda at all, knowing that she would have just given them the money anyway. That must have been so horrible to kind of look back at that conversation knowing that Miranda knew what to do in a situation like that, and she had the right answer, which is always, you know, just give them the money because your life is way more valuable than whatever's in that register. Exactly. So, and it, I mean, it's great that they even went over this. Like, it really kind of shows to us, I think, how great her parents were and, and how careful they wanted her to be and, and prepared. So, the Yellowstone County officers were known to work 24 hours on this case. Like, they were, from the time it happened, they were putting in so many hours trying to figure out who killed her. Because they really just wanted to give the Fenners, but also the community, answers. Because why this incredible 18-year-old was murdered in their very small town, you know, this is affecting everybody and, and people are scared. Yeah, this is not this is not a big city. This is a small, safe, quiet community. And yeah, every town has crimes that happen, um, but not murders of innocent 18-year-olds like this. Yeah, this one was, was a little bit special and it, and it really affected everybody in this community. And actually, police questioned over 800 people in this case, but it didn't seem to bring them any closer to the killer. They even welcomed the help of the FBI to kind of help put a profile of the killer together, as well as the Montana Criminal Investigation Bureau, but still nothing. And every time a murderer or robber had used a knife to kill someone in a nearby state, they even checked that out too. But the DNA didn't match anyone in the system, so they just had to keep trying and hope something good would come into the investigation. The reward went up to $25,000, and investigators also hoped that maybe that amount would be enough to kind of tempt someone in the community to come forward. But again, no such luck. And because Laurel is such a small town, they wondered if the killer was maybe a drifter, you know, someone who didn't have ties to the town, and that's why no one in the community was coming forward. But they still didn't want to overlook the possibility that it was a local, and they were just open to all theories. And knowing that the store was situated on the corner of Main Street, which actually turns into a highway, didn't help either, because this is a popular road for just about anyone to use, whether you're a local or not. In January of 1999, someone close to Miranda and the Fenner family wrote this about Miranda. Who was Miranda Fenner? 
a beautiful young woman brutally murdered two months ago in our small town. A chilling crime still unsolved. Still a horribly sad shock. Admittedly, I'm pretty biased. I had the privilege of loving her as a second daughter, that honor given to me by her family, the love returned to me by Miranda. I write from respect and love for her and her family and to perchance hope for a miracle. An artist and a writer, she expressed herself through her craft. Miranda Fenner despised cruelty in any form. She gave love to the unloved. She shared herself with the lonely. She wished we could quote, all just get along. She loved life. If I may be so bold, she was Kennedy, Lennon, Begin, Diana, all in one. As I remember the people who have impacted my life, I think about what Miranda would say. Knowing her, it would probably be, go get him, Miss B. Make them remember how precious life is. Don't give up. My reply to this plea, please remember her. Please remember anything that can help her family. Please do not allow this to happen again. And then quietly, I love you, Miranda. Love, Kathy B. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up. And this is why we have DashPass by DoorDash. 
Dash Pass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, as well as member-only deals and discounts. Which is why DashPass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with DashPass. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Years and years went by with no answers for Laurel or for the Fenners regarding what happened to Miranda. Because again, despite many around-the-clock days put in by investigators there really weren't a lot of solid tips or leads coming in. But in 2017, a man spoke with police and discussed a different crime that took place just two months before Miranda's. On Saturday, September 5th, 1998 in Billings, Montana, which remember is just about a 20 minute drive from Laurel, a woman who goes publicly by JL was just finishing her route as a newspaper carrier that morning when something terrible happened. She didn't typically do this route. She was actually just taking over for her daughter that morning. And as she was finishing, she was getting ready for her boyfriend to pick her up. But while near the corner of Broadwater Avenue and 24th Street West in Billings, she heard footsteps behind her and was attacked by an unknown man, raped and stabbed. Her throat was cut with a knife as well. And this attacker left her for dead. She was able to get a very brief look at the man before he forced her at knife point between two buildings before attacking her. Afterwards, although she really was seriously injured, she said that she made death sounds and pretended that she was dying, and with that, the man ran off, and she was able to get the help that she needed to save her life. Crazy enough, a dirty condom was found from the crime scene, and it was sent off to the Montana Forensic Science Division for testing but no matches were found. And just like Miranda's case, years and years passed before answers would finally come. Before the 2017 interview with a potential suspect, let's discuss a tip that detectives received back in 2013. In 2013, so 15 years after both JL and Miranda's attacks, detectives received a tip from a woman who had contacted the Yellowstone County Sheriff's Office stating that she believed her ex-husband's stepson was involved in Miranda's homicide. The man she was speaking of is Zachary O'Neill, the same man that was interviewed years later in 2017, which we'll discuss in a minute. The woman explained that Zachary was a very violent person and that there were several incidents involving him 
that really disturbed her when she was living with her ex-husband in Laurel and he was around. Also, her ex-husband had told her that on the night Miranda was murdered, Zachary rented a movie from the movie store. This was obviously a pretty good tip. So investigators followed up on this and were able to confirm that Zachary O'Neill was living in Laurel in late 1998, yet they were not able to conclusively link him to Miranda's case. But on March 19th, 2017, Zachary O'Neill walked into the Yellowstone County Detention Facility and asked to speak to deputies to confess to a crime. And then he confessed to Miranda's murder. He told investigators that on Sunday, November 15, 1998, he went to the movie store to rent four movies for his mom, including a porn film for him, and Miranda was the one to help him. But when he got back home, his mother noticed that he had rented a porn film and told him to return it. At this time, Zachary was 18 years old, so the same age as Miranda, and he was just born three months after her. And he went back to return the video, but decided to rob the store as well. He had to wait for some customers to leave, and when they did, he took out a 22 caliber gun and pointed it at Miranda, who apparently was very compliant and handed over all the money in the register. Then, he forced her into the back room and taped her up with the intent of just leaving the store and Miranda unharmed. But since he had been in before and they were about the same age, he worried that maybe she knew who he was. And he didn't want to get in trouble, so he attacked her with a jagged knife. And he described the horrifying details while choking back tears to the officers. But before they could confirm any of this, they had to let him walk out of there a free man. He also explained that he was on methamphetamine when he killed Miranda and that he was an addict at that time in his life, which is why he wanted to rob the store so that he could support his habit. And as far as what he did with the knife, he dumped it during a hunting trip with his dad in Jordan, Montana. After confessing to Miranda's murder, he also confessed to raping and attempting to murder JL just two months before Miranda in Billings, Montana. He said, I see this lady and I decided to rape her. Like, okay, what? Yeah, he's he's a disgusting man. So he actually didn't know that she survived because remember, she was playing dead and she did a very good job at that because he did run away and he thought that she died. And he didn't realize that she survived until he read about it in the papers. But apparently, he only wanted to kill her to stop her from getting him arrested for raping her, which is the same thing with Miranda. He killed her so he wouldn't get in trouble for robbing the store, but now he's confessing to, to all of it and it's a way worse crime. Like, I never understand this. When a killer kills someone to get rid of the witness, but then they get caught anyway, it's like now you're gonna go to prison for way longer. You should have just not yeah, exactly. committed murder. Yeah, there's there's no point in that. Like, so you're, you're trying to cover up another crime and then what are you going to cover up that crime with another crime it's just going to continue to go always going to get caught exactly it's just stupid it's so so annoying so the only reason by the way that he was coming forward with this information was because he had apparently been overcome with shame as well as suicidal thoughts especially since he had raped quote a couple more girls since and that's why he wanted to come forward and kind of clear his conscience yeah, and I just want to say this guy, I mean, 
he's just a horrible person, and he looks like a little goblin. He's a little goblin man. <laughs> Sorry, but he's, I, he's a fucking goblin man. He's a, I, you know, I hate to talk bad on someone's appearance, but he is a horrible monster, so I don't mind right now. He is fucking scary. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if he's like, you know how like sometimes they talk about like killers actually looking like killers? This is one of those guys. Yeah, go. we posted photos of him and of, of beautiful Miranda on all of our socials if you guys want to see. Um, it is quite a sight uh, on his end. By the way, to be clear, when he did first commit these acts, he said he, quote, didn't care too much about what he'd done. But now all these years later, he suddenly has all this remorse. So as with many crimes, numerous people, 10 actually, had come forward to confess to Miranda's murder over the years. But police chalked them all up to being frauds who just wanted street cred. So they had to go through the same process with Zachary O'Neill and make sure that he was telling the truth, even though he did give a very detailed confession on both ends. Like, he gave details on Miranda's murder that had not been released. So, you know, that means something, but they still wanted to be sure. And the best way they could do that was to test his DNA against what had been found at both crime scenes. Yeah, so they swabbed him and they compared this to the DNA found at jail's crime scene, and this conclusively connected him to her rape and attempted murder. But they did things a little differently in Miranda's case. Although they had sent thousands of samples to the crime lab for testing when Miranda was killed, there really wasn't enough reliable DNA for investigators to work with, making it really hard to close her case. So instead, Investigators spent the next two years trying to corroborate Zachary's confession to prove that what he was saying was actually true. Because in Montana, a conviction cannot stand on a confession alone. But like we said, Zachary gave details that hadn't been publicly released. So they felt confident that he was 100% their guy. What's interesting to me is that Zach's stepdad's ex-wife had explained back in 2013 that he was very violent, and could be connected to Miranda's murder, but police didn't tie him to her case. And I, I think it's because maybe they didn't want to put in all that work for whatever reason without more proof. Because like we said, it took two years to prove that he was connected to Miranda's case even after having a full confession from him. So maybe it was just a lot of work, but it's like, this could be your guy. But what I don't really understand is why they wouldn't have just done this all in 2013 because of the fact that O'Neill was actually known to local law enforcement back in 1998 for committing burglaries. On at least one occasion, Zach broke into a Laurel home with his brother's cousin and another young man, and they actually stole alcohol, a van, and over 20 firearms. They chose that house specifically because Zach's mom worked as a housekeeper there, and they knew the owners were out of town. Zach got probation for this burglary, and right after, he raped and attacked JL while she was finishing her daughter's paper route, and then one week later, he raped a woman at Riverfront Park in that same area. A lot of this wasn't discovered until later, of course, but he was doing a lot of different very bad and very illegal things as a teenager and as the years went on. But despite all of this, police kind of just let him slip without a proper interrogation before his confession. And, you know, like you said, a lot of this came forward later, like they didn't know that he raped the woman at Riverfront Park or that he raped and attempted to murder JL. But still, like if if all these things are happening, you know, this guy is trouble and he's known for burglary and he lives in this small freaking town. Like, why would you not 
pushed to question him more. And I mean, things get even more frustrating with this because at the time that Miranda was killed, Zachary O'Neill's mother's video rental account was open on the computer screen that Miranda was using. I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know right there. I know. This was the last account that she worked on before she was killed. And this was because Zach was returning the porn tape. So you would imagine this would be a huge clue. And investigators did question his mom two whole months later, but quote, didn't get anywhere. So it's unknown if maybe she didn't want to say that her son was at the video store or if investigators even had that information but it's pretty unbelievable. But three months after Miranda's murder, so just a month after Zach's mom was questioned, Zach went on to commit more crimes in other areas and was arrested in Spokane, Washington in February of 1999, around his 19th birthday. Then just a few months later in June, he was arrested once again in Spokane for a home invasion and gun theft. Then in 2000, Zach was interviewed regarding Miranda's murder, and he denied involvement. And that was that. Like, this was two years after she was killed. And police questioned him like they had enough that they wanted to question him. He denied involvement, and then... They just let it go. Yeah, but it's like, what I don't understand about this again is that his mom's account was on the computer. You have enough that you want to question him. And then he comes up in 2013, and you still let it slide and then he ends up confessing. It's just so frustrating. And I know police were working very hard and hindsight is 2020, but his name kept coming up. And then Zach went on to commit even more crimes up until at least 2015. And during one crime in 2006, he punched a woman in the eye as she exited her vehicle in Yellowstone County. Like he was just trouble. A few months after Zach confessed to Miranda's murder, Police interviewed him again in Spokane and asked if he was involved in the Riverfront Park rape, and he confessed to this as well. He was then extradited from Washington State in February of 2019, where he began serving time for burglary in Montana. And then a few months later, in July of 2019, 39-year-old Zachary O'Neill stood trial for Miranda Fenner's murder. He pleaded guilty to the deliberate homicide of Miranda Fenner as well as the deliberate attempted murder and rape of JL. And by the way, the victim of his Riverfront Park rape from September of 1998 actually died in 2013, so he wasn't charged for this. Mike Fenner made a statement towards Zachary during his sentencing and said, You ruined my life. You ruined my son's life. You took away my son's best friend. You broke my wife's heart. And Sherry's statement included, You, Zach O'Neill, deserve every horrible thing that comes your way. And before he was sentenced, he made a statement as well. Quote, I feel like it's almost worthless to try and apologize. I can't even think about the way I affected your life. I know I've stolen so much from you. I can't fathom to what extent, whether it be your loss of safety and security, the invasion of your personal boundaries, Losing the relationship of your daughter, your granddaughter, your sister, your aunt, and your loved one. Zachary O'Neill was sentenced to life in prison for his crimes. And although after nearly 20 years, Miranda's family finally saw her case get some justice, 
they still struggle with her loss every single day. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and next week we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. We actually wanted to cover this case when he was arrested, but there just wasn't enough information, and Heath reminded me of it the other day, so thank you so much. This this case is devastating, and God, what just what a senseless thing. I'm just really, really glad that Zachary O'Neill is behind bars. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's going to stay there for the remainder of his days. Me too. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and remember, if you're interested in that double feature episode, that fun extra Halloween episode that's more spooky story and not true crime, head on over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast. That episode is going to be available for all tiers. It's super fun. It's full length. And then we have over 52 other full-length ad-free bonus episodes for you guys to binge. Yeah, and those ones are true crimes, so uh, you get the best of both worlds. Exactly. And we hope everybody has a safe and fun Halloween if you celebrate. Uh, That's coming up this weekend. Heath and I are excited, going to a little Halloween party, and it's going to be fun. So hope you guys enjoy your week and weekend and final week of October. Yeah, we wish you guys a happy Halloween. Please stay safe out there. And for everybody out there in the world, cheerio and don't be a stranger. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.